Welcome to Max and the Supply Chain Heroes, your entrepreneurial podcast about challenges and changes in procurement and distribution in the context of digitalization. Thoughts, experiences, and above all, findings by experts in supply chain management. Completely free of any consultancy mission, easy, understandable, just plain business perspective. I'm Max Meister, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is a new episode of Max and the Supply Chain Heroes. My today's guest is Andrew Larson from Gustav A. Larson. And we were talking about the structure of his company. We want to get an impression how the supply chain within his company is looking like. And it's an HVAC and refrigeration distributor from Minnesota. And uh, what I think is very interesting is how they add value in the supply chain. So they really do consultant work for their customers, how to run their business and how to digitalize it. So I think very well run company. I really like Andrew a lot and I wish you a great episode. So have fun. And as always, if you have feedback, just write me an email to max at supplychainheroes.com. Thank you. Have fun. Yeah, so uh, welcome to a new episode. Today I'm sitting in the beautiful city of uh, Boulder and uh, next to me is uh, Andrew Larson. He is a CEO of Gustav A. Larson and I think it's a very interesting company and an interesting history. And um, before I start telling everything, maybe you introduce yourself, Andrew. Who are you and what are you doing? Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and uh, happy to share. It's so wonderful to have you in Colorado visiting us. Just talk a little bit more about myself. Um, I actually uh, grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, actually, grew up working in our business uh, in high school, so I uh, had a little taste of it then. Although I then, at that time in my life, wanted to be a doctor, so I went through our university system thinking I wanted to be a doctor. I grew up and doing work with a lot of internships and uh, watching a lot of surgeries with my neighbors who were orthopedic surgeons, and even got into med school. But at the last second, I decided to go almost do a gap year, and I worked in investment banking in New York City and loved business. And so I ended up uh, staying and working in business. And then um, I uh, then went to uh, business school after working in New York City and met my wife there, which was wonderful. Went to uh, Northwestern University to the Kellogg Graduate School of Management. And as that has a strong focus on marketing, I then worked uh, as a product manager uh, for a medical device company in the Bay Area. Uh, it was a division, a division of Eli Lilly. And it was interesting for me to have those two experiences, working in investment banking in New York City, where the culture was all about the deal. There was no organizational development. It was all about getting the deal done. There was high pressure and tactics and... Um, not very good management, <laughs> frankly. Okay. Uh, learned how not to you know, lead a team and a company. But by comparison, when I worked for Eli Lilly, they, to their medical device company that I work for, called Advanced Cardiovascular Systems, uh, they made sure that if you wanted to be promoted, you had to go through human resources. Mm -hmm. It was all about the people. Uh, there were a company with a 1,000 engineers, and they made sure that every engineer went through communication skill training, presentation skill training where they were videotaped. Uh, they realized the engineers that had this reputation for maybe being more introverted, not being able to communicate, uh, they wanted to focus on this, so they also sent them to something from a company here in the U.S. called Wilson Learning, which is uh, called VSP, stands for Versatile Salesperson. They would make sure that that person, and especially the engineers, knew their personality style, but also how to identify 
what someone else's personality style is like and how to interact with that person if they're an expressive or a driver or an amiable. Okay, so, so that was super interesting. Okay, so, so I see uh, why you have now a very well-organized company because you combine uh, maybe the best of two different worlds. So Yeah, it, I think it's really shaped who I am today. You know, I think all of us, our experience is growing up, and it's helped us to make sure we really are focused on having a high-performing culture with uh, the right people and the right seats in the organization, but having managers that care, having strong middle management, and making sure that we are creating a team of leaders. And that's what our process is about, and I know we'll talk more about that later. Okay. So you're now CEO of your family-owned business. So uh, how did you come to this? How did it work, and when did you start? Well, after my experience working for the medical device company, uh, we actually... Um, My wife and I were about to have children, and there was an opportunity at the business. And growing up, wanting to, be a, wanting to be a doctor, I never thought I would want to be involved in the business. But I was had worked outside the industry now for almost nine years. Uh, well, nine years, almost 10 years. And I realized that our family business is a tremendous opportunity. And it's, you know, our, we're based in Wisconsin, uh, in the U.S., in uh, the Midwest. And there's, there's something we say in the U.S. about Midwest values and and being salt of the earth. And I really felt like that was a great place to raise kids. So my wife and I said, let's go try working for the business and see what it's like. And we, if okay. we don't like it, we can always go somewhere else. We've worked somewhere else for the past almost 10 years. Yeah. And we went back, and the industry that we're in, heat, uh, HVAC, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and also refrigeration, primarily commercial refrigeration, uh, has kind of a, you know, a reputation for being a little more mature in our um, country. And, you know, I really wasn't sure what to expect. It doesn't have the most dynamic image. But I must say, coming into the industry, it's been fascinating. It's been fun. There, there's tons of change. It's been super interesting. And it's kept me engaged. And I love it, frankly. And, it, and uh, so that, and, and so it's, it's it allowed me to kind of turn into the role, uh, turn, turn it into the role that I have today as CEO. But I started off working in marketing and sales, and from there went to being a VP and then being promoted to president and chief operating officer. And then in, boy, approximately 2006, I became CEO. Okay. And so I've been that for the last 13 years. And it's interesting, I work with my brother. Mm -hmm. And so the two of us, um, our father passed, uh, he was you know, a legend in our industry, but he passed about seven years ago in 2012. My brother and I run the business, and it's interesting with our roles today. Um, in 2006, we named him President and Chief Operating Officer, so he is responsible for our leadership team, and everyone that used to report to me historically reports into him. He's responsible for running the day-to-day -day business of the company and making sure we execute our annual plans and our quarterly rocks. Um, he reports up into me as CEO, But we use a process, which we can talk about later, called EOS. Uh, it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And there's a book written about it called Traction. So some people say EOS, some people say Traction. So we can use it interchangeably later on. Yep. Um, but in the, in, with our process, he really is what's called our integrator, responsible for executing our plans. Um, I am what's known as the visionary. So although my formal title is CEO, I'm really more the visionary. And my role in the business really is to make sure that we are focused, that I am focused on what's happening five to 10 years in the future. Mm -hmm. Are we headed the right direction? I want to make sure that we are bringing new ideas and innovation to the business. I'm very focused, obviously, as a result then on our strategic planning and our board of directors, 
which is a whole different topic, which we love having, having an independent board of directors. But for me also, it's about our accountability. It's about execution. It's about uh, new acquisitions, new opportunities, new ideas. And so for me, that really is more my role. Okay. And to get a better understanding, maybe we have to describe your company. So you're an HVAC distributor and also in refrigeration. Can you say something about the figures? So maybe we start, uh, what kind of turnover you make and uh, how many employees do you have? Sure. Um, well, our business today, we have just under $300 million in re revenue, as we call it, in turnover. Yep. We've got about uh, 450 employees, approximately. That number is fluctuating all the time. We have 53 locations, and we serve about 20 different states uh, throughout okay. the Midwest and western part of the United States. Mm-hmm. How many distribution centers do you have? So we have three distribution centers. Uh, we've got our own fleet of trucks that distribute product between the DCs. We also, though, have uh, you know daily delivery trucks at all of our locations as well. Okay. So we also have uh, education centers. We call them learning centers for training at all the locations as well. And to give a little more statistics in the business too, we have probably about you know seven hundred manufacturers we work with, okay. and about sixty thousand SKUs. That being the case. You know, we still have probably 20 suppliers that are the majority of the business that okay. we really focus very strongly on, although we focus on uh, many of them. We actually do something for our suppliers, which is interesting. A little side note, we do a program called PEAK, which stands for Partners in Excellence and Quality, and we rate all of our top 50 suppliers and have conversations with them how we can better serve in a win-win fashion to our customers. And then we also have in our local branches, we have realistically, most of those SKUs are kept in the DCs for quick delivery, overnight delivery to the locations if they need it. But we probably have 12 to 15,000 SKUs in a branch location. Okay, this would be my next question. So you have 12,000 uh, in your branches, about 60,000 in total. And what service can you deliver and if it's needed? Uh, so a customer orders today somewhere close to a branch. When does he get his uh, products? Well, so it depends on the business. It's interesting. In refrigeration, because a, refrigeration, a commercial refrigeration system at a grocery store, supermarket, or a convenience store is made up of many different parts and pieces. When there's a failure, they need that system up and running. They don't mm -hmm. want the food to go down in a grocery store uh, overnight. And so as a result, we have many locations. So we're, the original philosophy was so that we're located no more than four hours away from any grocery store, if you will. So when a case goes down, our customers can get product immediately. Okay. In that situation, oftentimes in refrigeration, that customer's coming to our branch and picking up that product. Okay. And so they can get it same day, and they need to, to get back to that site and fix the product. Um, we also, though, on the HVAC side of the business, it depends if there's our customers oftentimes plan their installations throughout the week, and so yeah. we will then deliver to them. If they have an emergency service, they'll come to the branch often, or we'll have expedited delivery, one hour, two hours, same day. Um, but oftentimes it's delivery you know, on a weekly basis on our own trucks to that customer as well. And some branches may have 70% pickup and 30% delivery. Some may have just the opposite, 70% mm -hmm. delivery and 30% pickup. Depends because we have locations in maybe Chicago or Denver or Salt Lake City in a metro or Minneapolis where you're in a city and they also expect delivery because there's more competition that delivers, whereas you have um, locations maybe in the Dakotas where it is miles and miles, hundreds of miles 
between locations. And those customers, surprisingly, even, you, even though you think they'd want more delivery, oftentimes will come pick it up mm -hmm. a lot of the time as well. Okay. You mentioned uh, different uh, customer segments. So to understand your business model a little bit better, can you describe these customer segments and maybe uh, how much uh, or a per percentage of your revenue you have in these segments? Sure. Uh, so a little history again as well. Our, my grandfather founded the business. His name was Gus Larson back in 1936. And our business was founded in commercial refrigeration. And that really was most of the business. And we started, he started doing joint ventures uh, back in the 40s with motor shops. And that got us involved with, with rewinding of motors and into the HVAC parts business. That turned into HVAC equipment in the 1960s. And we added two other segments then, which was residential HVAC and also commercial HVAC. Residential uh, HVAC means for private housing? Correct. What? So we'll do anything in a, in a residential private house from radiant systems to solar thermal systems uh, to water heaters for heating and cooling, but then we'll also do forced air systems, so uh, a furnace and air conditioner along with all the sheet metal, the thermostats, um, the zone control systems. Uh, in addition, we'll do mini split systems. Uh, we also do on the, and that's on the residential side, really anything that will keep, will heat or cool a house. And then on the commercial HVAC side, We will call on the mechanical contractor. They typically are m many times a larger company, have engineered systems. They don't just do replacements of maybe rooftops, as an example, uh, but we also do installs uh, there with plan and spec, as they call it, or design-build projects with a customer. We'll do, again, uh, rooftops, building automation systems, VRF systems, VRV system, which is, which is var variable refrigerant flow systems. They're basically uh, new um, systems that have come out of Asia. They're all throughout Europe as well, just coming to the U.S. where you have simultaneous heating and cooling. So they're much more efficient. And instead of running a VAV box, which is a variable air volume box, with air to a location in a commercial building, you're running a line set and heating and cooling through the refrigerant flowing in that line set. So it's a new product. We represent a company called Mitsubishi, and they have a product called City Multi mm -hmm. to get a, a feel for you know, what they do. That, that's their VRF system. Okay. When we go one step backwards, when we talk about the SKUs, how big of a size are these SKUs? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because we have a variety of products. If you go in the refrigeration segment we mentioned earlier, we will work with supermarkets, convenience stores, cold storage facilities. There you have very heavy compressors that run a system. Uh, so the compressors are very large and big and heavy. And then you've got a lot of smaller things from TXVs or um, thermostatic expansion valves. You've got piping and insulation. We may have 20-foot-long lengths of copper pipe mm -hmm. that has refrigeration uh, that goes through that to cool the refrigeration system. So you have small parts to long pieces of pipe to big, heavy compressors. If you go to the commercial HVAC system, you've got big, huge tonnage rooftops from three-ton rooftops to 25-ton rooftops that you know can be, um, it's hard for me to convert in my brain to meters, I suppose, yeah, sure. yeah. You know, but probably uh, you know, four, four meters by three meters. Okay. I mean, pretty, pretty large. Yeah, this was one thing I, when we were talking last year, when we went on the conference, I was thinking about uh, how difficult the, the logistics all around the right. different products would be, because 
there are not so many companies that really have logistics from very small to very huge big parts. Right. And we'll talk about some of the value we offer maybe with some of that as a result. But um, that's why you know, we can't ship everything maybe through in the U.S., through UPS or FedEx yep. or DHL because they're not all small parts. We have to have our own trucks and our own ways of handling those. And then on the residential HVAC said there's furnaces and air conditioners, and then there's other smaller parts from air, air filters to pads and line sets and whips and disconnects and other things that are parts for a residential HVAC system. So before we come to the services uh, you added in the supply chain, uh, maybe a couple of sentences more about uh, your company. So I think that uh, you have very well executed all in, in all the uh, planning things and uh, how to describe your people. And you have one thing that it's called uh, our Larson values. And I think it would be interesting if you can uh, describe it a little bit more. I'd be happy to. Um, you know, for us, um, again, we'll discuss it later with EOS and traction, but for us, it's all about, you know, it starts with why for us and why are we doing this? And we have a, a core purpose in our business And we want to make sure that our people understand that we're doing something that's larger than us. And so for us, we've got a couple different things. I mean, our core purpose is, is we're in the heating and cooling business and the refrigeration business. Mm -hmm. We like to say we're actually in the comfort and clean air business or in the food preservation business. Everyone needs some of that, every single person. So it, our business touches everyone. It's much larger than simply selling a box across the counter. That's mm -hmm. very important. And so... Um, we want to make sure that our purpose is to help, you know, all the people in our local communities, and that really is where our core purpose comes from. Uh, but then stemming from that is our mission and our vision. And our vision really is to make sure that, you know, we are the most respected partner. We want to aspire to that to really serve our customers with extraordinary service and innovative solutions. Uh, but then what we're doing today is our mission, and that is we contribute to our customers' success We want to make sure we're carrying the absolute best products and partners in the industry. We want to make sure that we offer valued business solutions. We'll talk more about that shortly. And through that, providing a win-win opportunity with all of the stakeholders, not just us as shareholders, but with our customers and our suppliers um, and our team members. And so that really is what our mission is and how we operate is we want to make sure everyone lives our company values. And our values kind of spell Larson, so everyone... Um, understands that. We've taken some liberties here with the last couple of ones, but our values uh, are, to spell Larson, are learning, attitude, results, service, collaboration. We use the O with the CO for, to spell Larson, and then integrity, we kind of say for the N, for the, to spell Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N. Uh, but then to make sure that we are, uh, that everyone understands these, we give everyone a wallet card Uh, you're looking at a copy right now. So everyone carries it with them. They have this. It's, we kind of call it a, I don't know, a get-out-of-jail card. But we're like, we want to empower you to do the right things for our customers mm -hmm. that live our values. And if you do something, you know, we've done many things in the business, and they've always been done that way because that's the way we've done them. But we want you to think for yourself. If you see something where we're uh, maybe taking an extra step or being inefficient or making a mistake, and we want you to do the right thing for the customer And we're going to, you know, later on, um, if, as long as you're living our values, fine. Yeah. It's fine to make mistakes. And we want to embrace mistakes and challenge you to learn from them. And uh, we can see if we need to do something differently in the future. But our values each have three core 
principles behind them. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have in the business, we look at everyone with how they live our values and how we define each of these. I won't read all of them, but as an example, um, under attitude, you know, we will say, is someone positive? You know, are they humble? Because it's not about us, it's about our customer. Mm-hmm. And are they friendly? Mm-hmm. That to us is how we define our value of attitude. You know, under, yeah. So I will uh, share a link in the description. Sure. Where, uh, because you have them also on your homepage, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. How do you assure that the people you have really live up to these values and uh, the, the leaders of these people really talk to all the employees and be in contact and really have a feeling for this? So we'll talk more about that later, I think, when we talk about traction in the U.S. Okay. But when we hire someone today, every single person in the company, whether it's a prospective employee or an existing employee, we use something called culture index. And it's a, more of a um, personality profile to understand what, you know, what is your personality like and how do you fit in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the first step to make sure that they're the right fit in the organization um, in terms of on the hiring process. Uh, in addition to obviously all the re- other regular interview questions and process. But once they're part of our organization, we want to make sure that we have the right person in the right seat. Mm-hmm. So we have a, an analysis we call RPRS, right person, right seat, where we actually look and analyze um, everyone in the business. And the EOS calls it the people analyzer mm-hmm. as part of our process. But we look at and grade them. Do they live up to our values? And mm-hmm. it's a very simple tool where... Uh, if they live up to our values, that particular value, each one of the Larson values, we rate them for each one, they get a plus, a plus minus, or a minus. minus. Okay. And a plus says, do they live you know, this value all the time? They mm-hmm. get a plus. Do they live the value most of the time as a plus minus? And you know, do they seldom or rarely exhibit this value? And that's a minus. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a grade and a level for all, the, all of these. And if someone has two plus minuses, they're below the bar. Hello. Um, if they have more than two plus minuses. If they have one minus, they're below the bar. And we have to have a discussion. Okay. We have quarterly conversations uh, with everyone as well about this. And then we put an action plan in place based on this. In addition to, to looking at all the values, we look at three other things, which to our process is called GWC, but it's, does that employee get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do it? Mm-hmm. And that is simple, simply a yes or no. And if they, any one of those is a no, then it might be the wrong person in the right seat. Or right? the wrong seat. Or the right person in the wrong seat. <laughs> and so we'll have another conversation about that. You know, they may exhibit our values, and we want them to be part of the team. We just may have to move them to a different seat. Mm-hmm. But there's okay. a lot of things we do to make sure in a very simple way that they are you know, the right person in the right seat. Mm-hmm. So maybe we now discuss a little bit about the services sure. you do and the value you add with your people to... The supply chain to, for your customers and also maybe for right. your suppliers. So when you go on your website, uh, you see many, many services also listed up as value add. So what is maybe uh, something that is making you unique or where you're very good in? You know, let's take a step back first, I guess. Um, there's three things that we have in the business. We call them our three uniques. And so we actually, and you'll, you can see this on our website as well, But we have three uniques in the business, and the first one really is, we call it setting a new standard. But really, to to keep it simple, is we want to make sure that we are progressive, we are on the leading edge in our industry to our customers and bringing them uh, new ideas, new opportunities, and new value add. 
So that really is the first thing with, these, uh, with our first unique. Our second one is making it easy mm-hmm. and to make sure that we are making it easy for our customers and all the different things that we do from delivery to pickup to the product to the information we provide to them. And the last one is our unique, as we say for us, it's personal. You know, we want to show our customers that we really care. We're, we care about them as people, helping them develop, helping them grow, helping them make more money. And we'll talk about that with our values mm-hmm. as well. But those are our three uniques. And some of our other competitors may have one or two of those, but we don't think they have all three of those. And mm-hmm. that's what is unique from our value perspective and how we talk about it and give examples for each one of those with our customers mm-hmm. in terms of why we're unique in each of those areas. So, Okay. And, and we can talk about each one of those. Yeah, I would. Why don't I do that, maybe? Yeah. So let, let's start with the first one, yeah. you know, in terms of setting a new standard. You know, we are trying to make sure that we are at the cutting edge with regard to helping our customers uh, grow their business. So we often, it depends which segment, but let's say with a residential HVAC customers, we'll work with them at the beginning of the year and help them develop a business plan for the year. Mm-hmm. And that way they can, we can understand where they want to focus and also can help our team members you know, be accountable to helping our customers uh, with their business throughout the year. What kind of company would be a such such customer? Would, so as a subset of our residential HVAC customers, we sell to customers, but we also sell to dealers. And dealers, we have some key HVAC brands in the business from Train and American Standard to Ream and Rude to um, Armstrong. Uh, and so we will set up dealers with these different uh, organizations. They will wrap their business around this brand. And as a result, we do additional things with them for on the learning side and the education side to also on the business uh, plan and business development side. So that's really what those dealers will take some of those extra steps to help them. Uh, as an example, we will also help them hire and train what we call RSPs or retail sales reps. These are people in the selling organization for our dealer. That's a way we can help develop our existing customers and help them grow. So that's something that's different than what other people do. In addition, um, there's other things. So let's go to some of the other uniques. If we go to making it easy, you know, one example of one of our values on the commercial HVAC side is we have, not everywhere, but in some key markets, we have crane trucks. So we'll mm-hmm. go to a customer, historically that mechanical contractor, if they wanted a commercial rooftop uh, installed on an ex- as a replacement, they would then have to schedule with us for the delivery of the rooftop to the job site, and they, they would then schedule separately with a crane company to meet at that exact same time mm-hmm. to crane and take off the old rooftop and then put the new one on. We have now said, listen, let's make it easy for you. We offer a crane truck delivery service. We will, we will now, you don't have to schedule and coordinate with two different companies We'll take care of it. We'll meet you at the job site when you want. We'll deliver that new rooftop. First, though, we'll take off the old rooftop as long as the refrigerant's been taken out. We will then also put the new rooftop on for you, mm-hmm. and then we'll take that old rooftop back to the, uh, you know, to be recycled for yeah, you. Yeah, sure. So that's an example of how we're trying to find new value to make it easy. For the customer. Yeah. For the customer. Good, uh, good example. And then the last one, uh, you know... Um, Being unique? or No, no. It, it's that for us, it's personal. Ah, for, okay, we, we care. Sorry, yeah. Um, so as part of that, you know, with those dealers, as an example, we'll offer educational sessions, oftentimes, sometimes with our internal people, many times with an external third-party consultant or educator that comes in. One company we partner with called BDR, Business Development Resources, has a great learning session for our customers. And for us, it's about helping our customers make a double-digit net profit. 
And this is a great reason why they want to learn more from us because uh, if you go back to our industry, most of our contractors, 80% of them, have probably $800,000 to $1 million in revenues. And they mm-hmm. make a 2% net profit. And our job is how do we help you grow your business and yeah. get over certain walls or stages in your business? And how do we help you go from a 2% net profit to a double-digit 10% net profit? Mm-hmm. So you can reinvest back in your people and your company and yourselves. Mm-hmm. And so this is a big part of how we add value. Many of our contractors grew up carrying a toolbox. And mm-hmm. they're like, I can start my own business. And they do, but they didn't know how to run their own business. Mm-hmm. And they're learning on the fly. So we've tried to find ways to help our customers um, understand financial statements, how to do job costing, how to help make a uh, double-digit net profit, how to drive leads and growth in their business, how to add additional employees and be trained like with RSPs. And so we have done different things like this along the way to add value and so there's a lot of different areas that we do it uh, as well. So we also are trying to be you know, the consultant to our customers. And as this world is changing, we're adding new and different values and finding ways, because we don't always have expertise in those areas, so we're also bringing on third parties to help us. So mm-hmm. as we move to a digital world, we're bringing on additional partners um, as third parties that we bring on to help our customers in many different ways. So we work with different so, companies. Um, if if, if sure. I understand right, all these logos were also find on your uh, homepage? Yeah, you can find some of these partners. We mm-hmm. have some digital marketing partners we work with. But again, it's all about how do we help our customers with the digital future together that we okay. can consult them and say, here are different ways that these companies can help you. They can help you with different, with SEO, which is helping you know, get their uh, web page Search, you know, engine, their search engine optimization yep. um, be seen sooner. We're helping them with a company called Bluewing, as an example. We're helping them design their own website with other people we work with um, and creating you know, e-commerce stores. We're working with a company called Intelligent Business Solutions to help really develop apps so the customers can actually sell at the kitchen table mm-hmm. with uh, easier and offer what we call kind of a best, better, good strategy where we want to make sure that we ask questions of the customers first to find out what that homeowner may want. And then we're designing a system that customer is for them that really meets their needs. So as an example, if a customer in their family has allergies or has pets, they may want to have as a result um, air filters to filter out some of the cat dander or the, mm-hmm. or, the, or the dust. Or they may want to have, if they have a lot, they do a lot of cooking. They may want to have an ultraviolet system to help with the odors and the spores and the bacteria. So we want to make sure we're providing the right solution through things like this for our customers and helping them present that with a, you know, e-commerce digital proposal solution at the kitchen counter. So actually, you're helping your distribution or your contracting customers uh, to digitalize their business model. Right. We're helping so them to you, sell more. On one and, hand, you consult him, try to run a business properly, and then you help them digitalize their business. Exactly. It's very interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And then also, we work um, with something called, we have something called Tech Connect, where we actually, we have the principles of our customers, and we have relationships with them, but we also have their mechanics, their installers, their service technicians that come to our branch. So we also provide them different things, for mobile apps, different programs to make sure they can buy because they have to oftentimes to buy their own tools to use on the job, mm-hmm. um, not the company's tools. So we'll provide programs to help them as well. But we also have a new interesting thing. Um, we work with a company called Search Kings, who is a partner of Google. Mm-hmm. So Google has a new platform called GLS, which is Google Local Services. And in the U.S., we've historically had the yellow pages. Mm-hmm. And that was where people found where you did business with someone. And in the future, people are going to the Internet and Googling 
Where is that customer? So it's the yellow pages of the future. So we're helping, again, be the digital consultant to our contractor and dealer customers on the HVAC side primarily today to help them work with Google, GLS, be listed so they get the most leads. So we have a full you know, presentation to them on, listen, if you can get this many leads a week, if you can convert this percentage of leads, this, uh, means, this, this, revenue. Th- this means this revenue mm-hmm. for you, and that's a way we can deliver leads to them and these kinds of solutions that can help drive growth in their business. Okay. So that's very an example yeah. of some value we can deliver okay. in this yeah, new digital I think world. it's very impressive because um, this is a personalized service. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's not uh, easy to do. You really need uh, experts that uh, go to the customer and uh, talk with him, discuss where he is, where he want to go, and stuff like this. So I think it's a very impressive example of value-added services. Before we wrap up, maybe, um, very important is how you educate your people. So can you describe a little bit, when you have services like this, how do you train your people uh, that they are able to do stuff like this? Because I guess... It's quite different to uh, selling HVAC 10 years ago. It is quite different. You know, we like to say versus training, we like to say learning and education. So we have learning centers at almost every one of our locations because we have to have um, education sessions for our customers there. We also use them to, um, you know, teach our employees as well. So we have a team on staff that, uh, uh, that helps teach our customers you know, with regard to not just sales and training and business, but also um, selling and servicing the product. But then we also have the inside portion of educating our employees as well. So we have a a learning director on staff that helps with that. And we have different processes in the business with how we convey that information to them. Mm -hmm. We have uh, something called SP2, which is kind of a process we call sales process two, where we're teaching our sales team members how to ask the right questions, and how to, um, we have uh, something called ISP, a lot of acronyms, intentional selling process, that they use then these sales process SP2 tools in their intentional sale, uh, okay. selling process. We also have something called SMX, another acronym, but it stands okay. for sales management excellence. It's, it's kind of a customer pipeline tool we use to make sure all of our sales team members understand you know, who they're calling on, which customers they're focusing on, both from existing customers, new customers, how often they call on them. Uh, we look at attrition. So if customers purchase less, we want to focus on how we can bring them back uh, with the relationship. And so um, this process, through it, we have different education sessions for them. They meet weekly. They meet monthly. We have quarterly sessions. And through this, they, um, we're looking at not just the pipeline, but also educational sessions for them, too, to, to get better at what they're doing. Do you have an idea how many days a year an employee at Larson is learning or um, is he learning? You know, I think we have such a variety of people in our different stores from counter salespeople to outside salespeople mm-hmm. to inside salespeople to drivers and trucks. So there's no one set number, but, uh, and I don't have that number at my fingertips. I'd yeah. be guessing with you, but it's got to be realistically, you know, It sure seems like 20 to 30 days, depending. Okay, that's a lot. A, a lot. Yeah. It's okay. a lot. So we often sometimes think it's too much because we need them in front of the customer you yep. know, selling. And so uh, all those little days that they take quarterly or weekly add up to a lot. Yeah, they add up to a lot. But I think you have a very well-structured company, and it only works if everybody is going in this direction. Right. And part of that is all of our outside sales team members, often store managers, they're also attending 
those learning sessions with our customers. And that's where those days start adding up to the 20 to 30 as well. So it's, it's the internal ones plus the customer ones that all add up, and it's all part of that education process. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, uh, so very interesting. Maybe as a last question, what do you see uh, as a CEO of Gustav A. Larsen for the next 10 years as trends or as interesting topics? Yeah, so that really is uh, something that's super exciting because we're in a world that is changing dramatically. And if I could steal a slogan from Elon Musk, um, it's something we look at and he says we have to focus on accelerating the inevitable. And so we look a lot at what are the market trends, what's happening, and we're seeing a trend obviously towards um, digital, towards prescriptive analytics and artificial intelligence. We're seeing trends uh, with uh, electronic buying preferences. So as an example, you know, baby boomers were focused in, in more on personal relationships. And as we look towards you know, these different um, groups of people coming forward with Gen X and millennials and Gen Z, they are doing things more online. So we've got to make sure we're moving with that uh, ourselves. Um, we're seeing a lot of the Amazon effect. People know what prime delivery is, as an example, in the U.S., and so we're focused on making sure we can compete with one-hour, two-hour, same-day delivery and having these opportunities for our customers. We'll never be able to invest as much as an Amazon, as an example, but we've, so we have to make sure we have as flawless of a customer experience as possible, and then we're using our value add that we talked about before to build a trench around um, our business and our products and services to maintain that relationship with the customers. Uh, we are seeing, uh, we, as we see to the future with people doing things more electronically, um, all of us, including our customers, are doing more research on products online, making decisions what they're going to buy online. And eventually, that will take cost out of the sales process. So we're going to have to probably, we'll probably see lower prices in the future as that component of cost is taken out. We have to be prepared for this to make sure we can sell things at a lower price and still make enough money to reinvest in our people and our business. Um, and as part of that, I think we're also seeing in our surveys and from our industry consultant surveys that the outside sales consultants that we have today calling on our customers, that their function is being valued less because people are looking more online. Mm -hmm. And yep. so we're doing a lot of those things. Uh, and we're looking at things uh, right now to make sure we make changes. Right now, as an example, we are transforming our entire sales force to somewhat of a, you can call it an, outs uh, an inside out a strategy, but you can also mm -hmm. call it a team selling strategy. Very good. We've had customers today that ask us, you know, it's, uh, we had a recent customer trip and they're like, I can't reach my outside sales consultant. How can I reach someone more? So we're looking now at doing something we call Team Gus, but we're actually going to do segmentation between the different segments we have today from, again, commercial refrigeration to commercial HVAC, residential HVAC. Uh, we're also going to add a fourth component called services and solutions. And I'll talk about, about that more in a second, but we certainly recognize that we have to make sure we are continually changing and adding value add to our customers uh, to make sure they want to continue to buy from us and that we're on that leading and progressive edge as we discussed with one of our uniques. So today, many of our existing sales consultants provide all the different functions of a sales rep, uh, both creating awareness with those customers to capturing or uh, getting new customers to fulfilling orders as well as retaining customers. And so with this new team concept, we're trying to make sure that we have our outside um, sales team members focused on bringing in new customers, focusing on that relationship, but then having their teammate 
on the inside as an account manager or a customer experience rep handling a lot of those transactions and the fulfillment and the awareness, frankly, mm-hmm. and making sure that it allows our team members to focus uh, you know, in the right areas of the business and be more efficient and making sure that our customers always have someone they can reach you know, as opposed to someone that may be on a sales call. I think this is a good uh, development because uh, you're very close to the customer and the guy who's uh, doing many, many things also knows the customer that it's best and how it's changing and how the needs of the customer is changing. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we call it omni-channel because you know, there's the team, there's face-to-face you know, selling. We will have specialists that help and support our outside team members as well. Um, we'll have inside support in addition for quoting and uh, doing projects and engineering. Some of the engineering may spill over into services and solutions in the future. Um, we've got lead help with lead generation on the inside as well. So there's a lot of different components that will be um, you know, part of this. And again, our customers asking for this, and this, so we're, we're moving this direction and transforming our sales force uh, as a result. Mm-hmm. And can you maybe, to summarize, say a little bit about what your goals are for the future? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, the goals of the future, I think, revolve around the last segment I talked about, services and solutions. We've set goals in the future to make sure that we have um, and are developing value-added for our customers. Today, today, the value we deliver is paid for by the customer in the form of the margin we get from that piece of product. Yep. We recognize in order to help be, um, uh, to build the walls up, if you will, and, and build that trench around our business uh, to make sure we can Amazon-proof the business, to make sure we can compete in this new world, that we have to sell value to our customers that they're willing to pay for outside of our existing products. Transactional business. Exactly. Okay. And so we're setting goals to make sure we're creating and developing value um, and that our customers, we've set goals with how much they need to, that we need to have our customers be willing to pay for outside of our existing transaction business. We've already, uh, we're looking right now to hire someone to lead up this team, and we recognize that's something that's going to be a really important part of our future as we go forward. Okay. So um, last time we met, I had a presentation on a conference here, and you said to me that you are the third generation and uh, you try not to screw it up. <laughs> and uh, or that is uh, the plan yeah and uh, i know that's also the same plan for ludwig meister and when i see all your organizational change and development i'm quite sure that uh, this plan of yours uh, will work so i would guess thank you andrew it was a very interesting uh, story you're you're very welcome and we see ourselves my brother and i as custodians of the business and protecting the legacy that our father and grandfather put forward and you know i think we're really trying to make sure that we don't mess it up and so for us that means How do we make sure we're accomplishing our goals? Yeah. And so we look at, um, you know, how do we create alignment in the organization to go forward in the same direction? How do we make sure we have discipline and accountability so everyone's focused on doing that, which leads to executing our goals and making sure that we accomplish what we set out to do? Okay. And so that's really, I think, how we're hopefully not going to mess it up if we can accomplish that. And, yeah. and uh, I think we'll talk more about that in the in future, the second. too. Yeah. Okay. So thank, thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>